0: postpartum anxiety i need wine for this episode oh me too oh my goodness oh we've got some dal vineyard sauvignon blanc it's so good. super yummy. And also, you guys hear us talk about Dow a lot. Um, I personally am very invested in this brand of wines because the family behind the wine is amazing. And um, they have become like family to me. They're just really good people and they make amazing wines. So when you hear us talking about it, uh, we've said before we only share things that we really love. And it's something that I really love and I'm pretty sure the girls do now too. Oh, for sure. So we don't have Kayla with us right now because, you know, mom life is... Is real, And she was puking. Yeah, she was six. <laughs> and not the good puking. <laughs> yeah, not the puking because of, you know, you've peed on a stick. Yeah. Um, but the puking because you might have a stomach bug or something. So she or-
1: stayed home.
0: And the good news is she's going to join us in a little while. And uh, we'll be able to loop her in. But we figure this stuff happens in real life. And so Jen and I are going to go ahead and talk about this topic that we've been talking about, talking about for a really long time. My Uh, goodness. I think it's a really important topic. And uh, I mean, I am sort of feeling it even today. So I think we should just get into it. Let's do it.
1: We are
2: wives, entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives. And at the end of the day, we are all moms. At the same time and never in the same order. <laughs> this is Hi, my name is Mom, a podcast
0: about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. If you want to support our podcast, which we're hoping we you, know do, you do, right? Mom supporting moms, the best way you can help us out is to shop our affiliate links, which we have dropped right in the description of today's
1: episode. And lastly, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms at Hi, my name is Mom Official. You know, we're I think it's really important for us at the top of this episode to just say, like, we are not experts. We're moms. We've all been through these things. These are our personal experiences. Um, If anything that we're talking about resonates with you, we highly, highly, highly suggest you reaching out to your own OBGYN or mental health care provider or someone in your life that can talk to you directly, because these are just our own experiences. And we're hoping that we can shed some light on what we've gone through for other moms out there.
0: Postpartum anxiety is like sort of the lesser known cousin to postpartum depression, right? And only recently did postpartum depression start really getting highlighted as something that happens to a lot of women. And it's not something that you can fix by yourself. You need help. And then there's baby blues, which interestingly, I've had several friends not realize was a thing. Really? had. Oh, I had a good friend of mine after having a baby tell me that these things that she was feeling. And when I mentioned baby blues, she was completely clueless. And so I, I kind of told her, I guess we should maybe touch on that because you have postpartum depression, you have baby blues and you have something that I think is becoming a little bit. Like people are talking about postpartum mm-hmm. anxiety a little bit more now, but Jen and I both experienced it and at the time didn't really have a, a name for it. I had no idea I was even going through it,
1: to be honest with you. I've always had, I think, some sort of mild version of anxiety and it got really, really bad after Evelyn, and I didn't realize it. And It took a very good friend of mine. I will tell you this story because it's very short, but I think it's important. Um, she was in town visiting from Virginia, and we were walking around a lake, and we were on this path. Our kids were all there. They were, you know, I don't know, on rollerblades or running around up in front of us, and I kept yelling at them, stay where we can see you, stay where we can see you. She's like, Jen, we're on this this loop like there's only like one beginning and one end right but I'm like no any number of things could happen to them like people could pop out from the woods they could get dragged off by someone we might not see them like people I mean, you just never know I'm like all, you've got an exit my strategy for anything is, like, anything I'm like I am on the seat like the edge of my seat waiting for something to happen and she kind of looked at me and she was like you know that's not normal right like I just want to make sure you understand like it's not typical like you might truly truly need to talk to somebody about that and I was like Gosh... You're right. And here's the thing. Those of you who have listened to our podcast or have known me personally through the years know that, you know, my family has been through its share of very anxiety-producing situations. And, you know, it started with the loss of my baby niece um, 10 years ago, actually this past September, and that was a very anxiety-riddled experience for everyone that has had shockwaves, you know, through our family for
0: literally a decade. And it Well, it, when your worst nightmare becomes a reality right I think then you think that can happen anytime absolutely and you know my just to
1: give you a little bit of background my sister was walking in a crosswalk with her baby in a stroller and someone hit her and the baby and my niece did not survive and it was a very very tragic situation but what it did do was um, made all of us hyper aware right that like all of this stuff all these wonderful blessings all of it can get ripped away from you at a moment and as horrible as that is, it's a, it's a, it's a reality, but living in that is very different than being aware of it. And I feel like I've been living in that since I had kids. Well, there's a
0: difference between, you know, not taking things for granted because Mm -hmm. you understand that we're all mortal and, and living in fear and worry all the time. And that's actually a really good point that you make right there because it's, that's really the, every mom worries. Right. Of course. As soon as you're pregnant, you feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to do something to mess this up? Especially if you've been trying a long time to get pregnant, if you've had loss, you just feel like, what am I going to do wrong? And then you feel the responsibility for this life inside of you. So like, did I sneeze too hard? Did I bump my belly into a wall? You know, I mean, I was paranoid because I shined a flashlight (laughs) on my belly. And then I'm like, did I blind my baby? And so it starts when you're pregnant, because it's that mother's instinct to protect your baby. So every month, other experiences that worry and I think we're wired that way because biologically like we're 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 built to protect these babies and to have that maternal instinct just in the way that a baby crying has an entirely different effect on me than it does on my husband oh yeah the difference between postpartum anxiety and just normal mom worry is that it starts to consume you absolutely It started for me really during pregnancy and I didn't have a name for it and I only know that I had it in hindsight Mm -hmm. and I had it with my first and my last and it's very, a very distinct feeling. Um, But I was living in New York at the time when I was pregnant with my oldest and I really in a lot of ways feel like it sort of stole some of my joy of his early infant days because I just was consumed with worry and fear and... Interestingly, because we've kind of mentioned on the podcast how (laughs) you and Kayla both deal with real OCD. My husband deals with OCD. I dealt with um, some tendencies when I was a kid, and I still deal with the sort of like intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. side of things. And that really became more potent after having Radley Um, and having these thoughts in my head. Like, for instance, I think it's important to point out examples, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we were living in New York, which can be an intimidating place to live with a baby um, so we had this new baby I didn't want to go home from the hospital because I was like we have to take him out into the world and then we couldn't put him in the middle back seat of the cab we had to put him on the window side and we had our friend who was a cab driver right like who has Aww. that who has your friend pick you up and drive you so of course he was going to be really cautious but I had these flashes of getting t-boned yeah on the baby's side the entire way home from the hospital. There are all of these articles and stories,
1: and everything is so much um, more in your face. Yeah. That when you read something that really is a worst case scenario, mm-hmm. you know
0: exactly like what you're describing. It sticks with you, and it's just it's and you there. live it out. Yeah. At least I do. Yeah, in my head. And so I would I would want to take my baby for a walk, and my husband kind of made fun of me because I wanted a stroller leash. Oh, hold on. This is my husband. Hi. Is everything okay? Oh, sweetie. What, buddy?
2: Which taco is mine?
0: Baby, take, I- take whichever taco plate you want. They're exactly the same.
2: Which one did you make
0: for me? Oh, definitely the one on the green plate. Okay. All right. I love you. <laughs> he just hung up. <laughs> and then he, Guys, he called me from Alexa. Oh, my gosh. We and I thought that. it was Ty. And you know what it did when what? I saw his name pop up? Because he knows we're recording. Uh-huh. You knew something. You something it spiked my anxiety. Of course. I thought something was wrong. Uh, do you First know where thing my I say head is went? It's okay. Is I'm gonna tell okay? you right
1: now where my head went, and this is because I still have. Anxiety that is not in check. Yeah, my head was like, "We're gonna find out something really traumatic has just happened, and it's gonna be recorded live on this podcast." Yeah, that's what that's I was really thinking too. Traumatic. That's what I was me. thinking
0: too. And it's that is not a good place to be. It's not. It's not normal. Oh my gosh, um, it's not normal. He just wanted to talk. Like he has this thing of like, "Which did you make for me?" Oh, this is my very sweet. sensitive child. I'm giving him all my issues, guys. That is so sweet, though. That is but, really sweet. But I mean, from the time he was tiny, I wanted a stroller leash, and Ty thought I was crazy. But I would have these visions. Of going down like a street yep. that was downhill, and that, I, and it was always because I would do something irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of holding the stroller with both hands, I would take both hands off and like check my phone. And the baby mm-hmm. goes flying in the stroller down the hill into the street, gets hit by a car. And it's like, that's not normal. Because would I do that? Of course not. And it was always, always my fault, it's yeah. always something I did. To make this happen because I think your brain goes to your worst case scenario And what's your worst case scenario for something happening to your baby? It being your fault. Oh, of course And that
1: right there up why I live in that place all the time
0: really bad things do happen But you also I believe you can only be reasonably cautious in your life because at some point you're the person That's worrying all the time and you're living in a fear that hasn't happened yet. Absolutely So we know that rationally right right that doesn't mean that our hearts get it Speaking of hearts, I was, I had read an article that was saying like the difference between postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, Mm -hmm. because you can have depression and anxiety, but you can also have anxiety that is standalone. Right. So the postpartum depression makes you sad, very, very sad and makes you sometimes not even feel connected to your baby. Um, and postpartum anxiety makes you worry yes worry excessively worry beyond like a normal amount of worry where every moment that you should just be enjoying you're consumed by worry so much so that maybe your heart rate spikes that you can't sleep that it's in in intruding on your thoughts all the time and this is a real thing that I read, Jen, one in five women experiences, and it's just not being talked about. That's crazy. I remember you being one of the very first people that ever said, oh yeah, I experienced that too. So did you experience it after every child? it's it's been very different with each of my kids,
1: obviously, after Charlie was born, because Charlie was eight weeks old when Olivia was killed. and yeah. for me, my relationship with him and the way I mothered him was very different um because you know, it's like when you experience that kind of tragedy and loss, it's like you just sort of hold on to your babies as tightly as you can. and so we we literally lived in a cloud for like a year. yeah, so after that, um after that, I feel like I kind of was able to relax a little bit. And then when Mason was born, I don't honestly remember having the same kind of like all consuming, overly intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and I have probably created, developed, produced three dozen, maybe more true crime shows. And as part of my professional life, what that has meant is that I have read researched, interviewed, spoke to parents, um, spoke to survivors, spoke to perpetrators in some instances. And the thing that as a mom has always resonated with me is like every parent I've ever talked to has had a moment where they say, if only. Yeah. And so for me, those are also extremes. That's a reason they on a extreme. TV show. Very extreme, but there's thousands of yep. them. And hundreds adding every single day and so to me I hear that and I'm like oh geez well in the same way that someone would say like something great could happen
0: yes, why not you absolutely kind of the flip side you're of it is also right. true right you're
1: absolutely right it's like yes I could win the lottery or yeah. you know I could get a flat tire not the that the I'm road. not saying that's a good way to live no it's not and I think that's why we're talking about this tonight Evelyn is three and a half years old and it's been you know at least three years since I realized that's what was happening um, to me, and I still have not gotten on any, any type of medication. I certainly have made changes to my life, and I have done things in my sort of parenting behavior that are intentional. When I have thoughts like you know, just worst case scenario thoughts, I literally have to put them to bed. It's like they go to bed in a space in my head, and the door gets shut. It's like yeah. they're gone. I yeah. can't. I can't let that. You know. I can't. Con- I can't focus on it. Um, but I do actually intend to. Um, I do intend to like pursue some other options for me to sort of help me through it because I have been breastfeeding for like 18 years. At this point, it feels like <laughs> I've
2: been really resistant.
0: I've been really resistant. My to, teenager, to taking anything. she really likes the boo. She does. She's stuck, you know. <laughs> it can happen anytime in the first year postpartum mm-hmm. or it can be triggered by something like weaning. So if you do yep. extended nursing, it's good. You, now you have, I think the best way to wean is take your time. Yeah. And you have taken your time. Oh my. Oh my gosh have I ever <laughs> but the change in hormones I've definitely felt like I had this sort of like funk that I've been yeah. in every time I've weaned um but you know extra. it's not something you sit around talking about no. you don't sit around going like oh I was so afraid that when I bathed my baby yeah I was going to like get distracted and let them slip under the water and yep. it's like you know that kind of stuff just consumed my mind when Radley was a baby and the truth is that I was just an incredibly, I was so hands-on with him and I was so intent on protecting him that, you know, that was really the overwhelming thing that was happening in real life. But this whole other thing in my head of like, you know, am I going to do something wrong? Right. And then um, when you have to take your hands off, it's like if you yeah. have to send them to daycare, right. if you have a
1: nanny, if you're, you know, if your mother-in-law or your mother is watching the baby or, right. you know, any number of things. Once that layer of you being responsible is taken away, it adds on a whole other layer <laughs> sure. of anxiety. So it's
0: because you have to let go of control. Yes. And, that's and is anyone going to take care in? of them the yep. way that I am? You yep. know, and Absolutely. I mean, we, we are lucky to have family who is, I mean, my dad won't even hold one of my children when they're small if, if he's not like <laughs> sitting down or standing over like one of those stuntmen's blown up, you know. Balloon pillow yeah, thing. Yeah, balloon pillow <laughs> things. Exactly. But um, but I think one of the reasons we, we want to talk about this is because it is normal and it's not your fault. It is not your fault. But what this can do is make you feel like you're someone you don't want to be, yeah. right? I mean, I feel like that's still where for some reason, Sebastian, who's three now, I just had a really pleasant—not that postpartum like period was easy, but I kind of was even. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was able to enjoy his, you know, newborn days without Aww. all that crap. Yeah. Um, and now with Teddy, I don't feel like I. It was definitely the most intense with Radley, because I didn't know myself as a mom yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what kind of a mom I was, and so it's almost like I didn't trust myself as much. Now I'm like, I'm a damn good mom. Yep. <laughs> We should talk about things that can make it flare up or make you more susceptible mm-hmm. to it, such as like having gone through loss. Yep. And so some women, for some women, it's that they've gone through a bunch of miscarriages, you know. Oh. And so it just, the anxiety through all their pregnancy is already there. So then, of course, when the baby's there, I've, I've seen that with friends who um, had to go through a horrible roller coaster to adopt. Mm-hmm. And so they just find themselves so... The anxiety of doing something wrong once you have that baby in your arms is so intense. If you have a history of anxiety or of OCD, because anxiety can manifest as OCD, which I'm curious to talk to you and Kayla about. Well, you know, I mean, when I talk about my OCD, mine
1: were very... um, they weren't ritualized as much. You know, you talk about yeah. a lot of people who are like light switches, knocks on trees, you know, do, do kind of strange things like that. For me, when I was, I mean, from the t- as little as I could read until maybe 25, um, so for the first 25 years of my life, the way that my OCD manifested was always internal. Yeah. Right? So I would hear a word have I talked to you, about it? Have I told you this before? I would hear mm. a word, and it could be any word. Like the word in front of me on my notepad is anxiety, right? Yeah. And then below that is teased, right? So I might like see one of those words and I'd be like, tease. Let's see how many different ways we can phonetically mm. spell this. T E A S E D, T E A, Z E D, T E S E D, T E E Z E D, T I E S E D, T I E Z E D, T E I. Okay. Yeah. And it's on and on. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. And it's a because it's in my head, no one's aware. So no one's holding me to task, right? so I have been through so many different kinds of therapy. I've been through exposure therapy. I've been through regular therapy. I've been through um, grief therapy. I have been through marriage therapy. I have just, I put myself in therapy my whole life because I felt like the tools that I got in therapy helped me become a better, more whole person, no matter what. Right. So, those tools and in, in in helping me not only deal with my OCD but other things in my life helped me have helped me deal with postpartum anxiety once I knew what I was dealing with. Yeah, probably the most important therapy that I've ever been through is a um is exposure therapy yeah. where you're sort of exposed to details of a trauma over and over and over and over Yikes. and over again. Yeah, so that you can then talk about them in a way that doesn't trigger all of the emotional baggage. Right, and that's like a very simplified way of uh, of, of wording it, but um, for me, if I start to read something or see something that I know is going to be a trigger for me, I have to finish it. Like that's mm-hmm. my OC. Like I have to finish the article, or, or that will resonate with me. For, I do that too, right? So part of it is it, it's it's kind of the Marie Kondo method of, <laughs> of therapy, <laughs> if you will. I read the story, I think it for its service to me. I put it in a box in my head and I move on. Yeah. And I cannot, I cannot there are very few circumstances where I let something stay sort of in my consciousness, and those are generally conscious decisions, Um, but most of the time, I have to, like, put it to bed and leave it be, and there's there's no other way I can, I, I just can't, I can't survive with the encyclopedia of (laughs) <laughs> of of trauma and homicides that I have in my head just professionally. So I, I it, there would be no other way to, for me to like go about it on a daily basis. You
0: know what I just remembered as you were talking about that? Because hmm. I, I, I dealt with some OCD stuff when I was a little kid mm-hmm. that my mom kind of helped me through. And a lot of it had to do with, honestly, if I'm being super transparent, it was stuff that I was going through at church mm-hmm. that was messing with sure. my head. Um, and... I used to visualize building a brick wall Mm -hmm. that all that crap was behind. Yeah. And that's actually, when I was young, how I stopped letting it consume me. Yep. Absolutely. And I don't know, like, that's just something, I I don't even know why I did that. But I just remember, I can still see the brick wall there that all that crap is behind. And I don't know if that means that I have a bunch of stuff I haven't dealt with. I don't feel that way. I, I don't know. Maybe it means you haven't dealt with it, but at least it's not. It's not. It's not in my conscious. But one of the things that I've learned to do, and, and with Teddy, the anxiety doesn't consume me as much because I recognize it. And I know that when I'm hormonal, mm-hmm. when I'm overly tired, or when I'm just overly stressed in yep. life, that I can literally go, oh, here come those thoughts. Here comes that unnecessary worry, that other level of worry. And I will stop myself exactly. and I will just. Tell myself that I'm sure I've said it out loud. My husband's like, oh, here she goes again. Uh, That is the anxiety talking because things like lack of sleep, which every mom experiences, because let's be honest. Oh, sleep when baby sleeps. Oh, baby only wants to sleep when I'm driving the car or pushing the stroller or nursing. And also, when do you get to catch up on the bachelorette? Right. Exactly. So you're very overtired anyway as a new parent. So that definitely is not an easy thing. Um, but obviously sleep that you can get helps the cognitive behavioral therapy. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. like changing the thought process and the way you let the thoughts affect you. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, cuddling your baby, uh, gives you an oxytocin hit. Mm-hmm. So that's, and a I good mean, thing. Bre- we
1: all know that not every woman can breastfeed or wants to breastfeed and that's, you know, personal decision. But breastfeeding for me yeah. was always a big thing because anytime I ever kind of felt Started. I mean, and you, everybody who knows me knows I whip it out like any time. <laughs> I'm like, where are we? I don't know. The White House? Sure, let's do it. You know, so I, I don't know. I That hormone rush that you get when you nurse as well, to me, is, is very similar.
0: You know, there are options of medication. Yep. And there is some stigma attached sometimes to that. And that is so unfortunate because this can't always be fixed with you thinking your way out of it. Right. Um, and so that's important to know too, is like you do what you got to do to feel like a human being who is capable of living and enjoying their life. Like you it's should be able to do It's funny because
1: I even feel like I mostly have it under control now, just being aware of it and, yeah. you know, meditating and doing yoga and, you know, bike riding, being with my kids. It's like, I just have my activity, things, though. right. That's I have my too. things that keep, um, keep me centered. But the reality is I know I could be better. I definitely know that. You're I'm, like maybe not living your best life. Oh, no, I know I'm not. And I know that I still need something else. And probably for me, it is some type of, of medication. And we'll see. I've, yeah. I don't have the least bit. I don't have any reservations about it if
0: I need it. The other thing I think it's important to note is that something that's really great for this kind of thing is mom friends. Talking oh to gosh, yes. mom friends about it. Well, let's call Kayla yeah. because I, I think she has her story is very different than. You know, just like everyone's story yeah. is different. Every mom's story is different. Um, and so, you know, as you guys know, Kayla has been through more than she should have had to go through, as many women have. Um, but let's call her right now. Let's let's get her on
2: FaceTime. Here we go. Are you still was, throwing up? Oh, I've been like, I tried to eat a little potatoes, and like it just like reset it. I don't have anything in me. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm sorry. One of the big triggers for postpartum anxiety is actually having fertility issues and going through miscarriages and going through stressful things before you're even pregnant.
2: Loxley's 17 months now, and I feel like the first six months of her life is such like a blissful blur. Um, I don't really remember a ton of the anxiety that I had then. I know it existed, but it just seems like such a blur right now. But what I can say is initially, I think I was so excited to finally have a baby in my arms because, with my history and my journey, I told you guys both this before. I never thought this pregnancy was actually happening, honestly, until like she was in my arms. Like it was really hard for me to accept it until she was like in my arms. So once she was in my arms, um, it was more so because one it was during the pandemic like in the height of like we we had no information there was no fake news there was no real news there was just no news we had no news um, and, and you were living so kind of
1: in a real bubble like not just the newborn bubble but a real we
2: were, we were living in a real bubble where everybody had to cor- it was when you had to quarantine for 14 days regardless if you had covid or not covid no one was even out. masking yet when you had
0: Loxley. no because no one, no one was out Right. Yeah, no. we were actually, I, we hadn't it, seen it, each other.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hadn't seen each other. I think the method of anxiety that I kind of like portrayed was more of my, it. I already have like medically diagnosed OCD. And I think it like just heightened that with like the cleanliness in my house and, and having people over and the washing hands, um, which I feel like that's kind of like typical. But um, I kind of, got more anxiety over the fact of, is this my only pregnancy? Is this the only one? Does she love me? Um, if I have her here, is this, am I a good enough? Mom? I remember like, I don't feel this way at all now, which is so funny how much I know now that was hormones. But I remember like looking at her and thinking, am I good enough for her is, am I going to mess her up? Does she even need me? Does she even love me? And just kind of going through more of like those insecurities and those worries. And then feeling that my friends thought I was a bad mom because I was inexperienced as a new mom. And all of those insecurities really started like hitting in on me. I'm going to watch the light count. (laughs) Just like <laughs> everybody take it everybody drink every, every time, time kayla says, kayla says like, like. <laughs> oh my gosh but i think that one is a first time mom you have insecurities that you're doing everything wrong because you're learning everything for the first time and then two going through a pandemic you're scared of everybody touching your the baby air on top of you're right. scared of the, the actual air. air the air yeah everyone's like it's airborne like you didn't know anything and so you're scared and for me, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I've waited this long. Now I'm going to screw it up. She's the only one I'm probably going to have. And just all those, like, insecurities and fears and everything that went with it, that's kind of where it touched on me. But, man, it feels like such like. Shoot, you all are going to be drunk after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have a question.
1: I have a question for you. Do you think, because, you know, we talked actually in one of our previous episodes, we've talked about this, Mm -hmm. um, where when you've experienced tragedy and loss and those kinds of things, you look at life very differently. Do you think that because of your previous losses, it gave you any sense of? it it gave you any increased anxiety or do you not feel that?
2: I actually think it was the opposite.
1: That's really interesting to
2: hear. And in the sense that I've already experienced the worst that can happen. So, and this isn't it. So I'm not going to freak out about it.
0: When Kayla was 13 weeks, I had this little baby Doppler, not even a a real Doppler, but this baby heartbeat thing that I got for my second pregnancy because I'd gone through a loss and I, Mm -hmm. we did a whole episode about this, but I had this really strong need to hear my baby's heartbeat and I just had this horrible feeling that turned out to be true, right? And, and there was no heartbeat in that, you know, when I had a miscarriage. And so for the next pregnancy, I just needed to hear the heartbeat mm-hmm. so badly that even some doctors say don't do it because you might not be able to find the heartbeat, and then you're going to have mm-hmm. unnecessary anxiety, blah 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 blah.
1: But if so, you know what I you're looking for. That I use Yep, that. I know. But it, if you know what you're looking for and you know how to find it, it is the biggest sense of calm that you can get. That's why I got it because Me you too. said that you'd done my it. Yeah. So
0: I got one because Jen said that it g- had given her such a sense of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of um, just a peace, a peace of mind. It, it wasn't that I was going to be able to change something if God forbid it happened.
1: It was that I wasn't going to go into. At an OBGYN's yep. office and be totally si- like blindsided. Sideswi- blindswi- thank you. That's what I was thank trying you. to avoid. I've ever. been drinking
0: too much, like wine. Well, and and <laughs> I'm I'm sure I talked about this at some point too. But both of my the loss and then my baby bash um, with both of those, and then with Teddy also, they could never find a heartbeat mm. at the Your eight early week appointment. appointment, right? And I think it's because of the way the placenta was both times, or mm. like a tilted uterus or something like that. But that was the case with. Pretty much every pregnancy, yeah. but it gave me so much peace of mind. But I wouldn't do it until I was about sixteen weeks along because it can be hard to find the heartbeat. I'm great at it now. Yeah, but and and,
2: you brought it to me at thirteen and weeks.
0: That's right. So I brought it over to Kayla's house at thirteen weeks, and she wanted to use it that day. And I was so nervous that yes. I would be. You're I wasn't the one nervous. Doing it and yes. Yeah. And now I felt really confident that I knew how to do it at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. But I thought. This beautiful moment could turn into a horrible moment, but we found the heartbeat in two seconds. I, I was I ha- I wouldn't let you listen until I found it though. We I put have, the earphones we on. That moment on video, yeah. and
2: It is the sweetest, and you look up at me. I could almost cry. It was, the <laughs> it was so ever. sweet. You look up at me and you go, "Oh my gosh, I found it!" Yeah. And I was like, "Let me hear it." Let me hear it. <laughs> oh. Well, I
0: wasn't gonna let her hear till I knew I could find it. I yeah. was giving her all of these warnings. You may not be able. It might be too early, and so I put the headphones in. I mm-hmm. heard that. precious little heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Little Oxley's heartbeat, and then I put the earphones on you. And that was so sweet, yeah. Yeah. But I that's that that's moment. just a beautiful moment. You know what's interesting about what you said, Kayla, is that I think you really did skip some of the stuff that Jen and I went through because you'd been through so much already yeah. by the time you had Loxley. Which is not you a trade to, that anyone wants to make, right?
2: No, but you have to compartmentalize your trauma. Yeah. And yes. what is like what what you choose to freak out about and what you choose to stress about. And I think I would be such a different person. I I was just telling a friend this the other day. If John and I would have become parents on our first pregnancy, Lord bless that child. (laughs) He would have been so screwed up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What I think is interesting about what you were saying, Kayla, is that you're really aware of how your anxiety is more about other people thinking you're not a good enough mom. We've had that conversation amongst us. Now, yep. now Kayla is the newest mom of the mm-hmm. three of us. She's also almost a decade younger than yeah. us. Yeah, and so there. Well, to be have fair, been... we haven't had the conversation of the, that you're not a good mom. Oh no, not at all. I no, we okay. That. To be I just clear, had to, clarify. to be clear, there have been times where it would never have crossed my mind <laughs> no. because Kayla is such an amazing mom. So She's the kind of mom you go I wish. I was, wish she was my mom. Mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's that kind of mom. So it would never occur to no. you to think that like sometimes when we're talking about things and maybe Jen and I are discussing something that you really can't know. It's just like how you don't know what it feels like to be a mom until you're mom, right? You just don't. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like you don't know what it's like to be the mom of a three year old until you're the mom of a three year old. I only know what it's right. like to be a mom up until eight years old. So yeah. Jen's ahead no, of me. I get
2: so sensitive to that sometimes. Yep. And that's that I that's what I'm saying. I think that's The anxiety that I have, and it's stupid. Who cares? Like, why do I care if somebody else thinks I'm a bad mom? Am I loving? Because that's what we preach about all the time, but it's totally something that I get anxiety about sometimes and I think that's also just one of my character flaws as a people pleaser and wanting everyone to think I'm doing good at everything all the time that's youngest child flaw as well
0: do you think you actually experienced postpartum anxiety you might not have
2: I feel like if I go back and listen to our episodes from when Lox was first born and everything I think that I thought it was with the exhaustion but and i also don't know just because of the trauma i went through like this past summer i feel as if things have been so blocked out and blurred from her first 6 months of life to a year of life that it just seemed so happy uh, i think and you i think that
0: was how it really was yeah. kayla i mean if i'm thinking yeah, back too. you were very chill as a mom in a way that i think you're very comfortable with babies you're very hands on with babies and i remember you being blissfully happy yeah for sure
2: I, I that's what I'm
0: saying like I think there was definitely stress there you know, you might not have experienced postpartum anxiety, but you've definitely experienced anxiety due to other things in your life. So what are the main methods you turn to when you're feeling that kind of spike up? Because I think you you dealt with it more when you were trying to get pregnant.
2: I 100% agree with that. I, I don't think I would consider it postpartum. You had, yeah, yet. you had PBB, I, postpartum bliss. postpartum bliss, <laughs> yes. But I think I have a lot of fertility journey anxiety, And I have had to therapy myself into compartmentalizing what is real, what is fear, and what is present. And I don't know if this will help somebody going through postpartum anxiety, but what is real in the sense of what is actually stressing you out for the future that is something legitimately that you can work on? What is fear talking that isn't true? And then what is present? What is going on right now in the moment that you can control? And those three little compartments have helped me not get in my head when it comes to dealing with trauma and stress and just overall insecurities with my fertility journey and with being a parent. That's good. That's good. I think good. I'm pretty sure
0: with everything you went through, you earned some postpartum bliss. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: That I makes don't me check happy. Box. Give okay, me good. Other boxes to
0: check. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's actually awesome to 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 hear those different experiences because you got to just go like, oh, you know what? My baby is here. This baby's in my arms. You 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 appreciated that in a unique way. Yeah. And and now, not to say that when you are experiencing postpartum anxiety, it doesn't matter what you've been through. If you go through it, you're going through it. Yep. So yeah. it doesn't mean that you're taking something for granted. But we're here to be proof that every woman's experience is different. Absolutely. We have kind of told you our stories. We'd love to hear yours and know if this resonated with you because I have a feeling there's a lot of women who haven't talked about it even to their spouses.
1: We'd love for you to, to hear your stories on socials and. Or know, just please, privately. Or yes, even privately. Absolutely. And, and let us know the things that you did that helped you um, in your postpartum anxiety recovery, the things that um, sort of helped you move beyond it. We'd love
0: to know. And don't forget to come follow us at Hi, my name is Mom, Official. We're so official. Thanks, guys. Bye.
1: Today's episode is brought to you from The Russell, a historic East Nashville boutique hotel whose mission is to give back to the Nashville community. As of 2021, Mission Hotels have donated over 100,000 meals, showers, beds, and supplies to those experiencing homelessness in Nashville. Visit missionhotels.com to book your experience today.
2: Your name is Mom.